Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series. My name is Greg Phelps and joining me as usual is Tifa Snow along with our guest, Dr. Beth Nolan. Beth, you were a guest a few weeks back, and uh, believe it or not, we got to talking about so many other things, and we didn't really dwell as much as we should have on the Advisory Council Alzheimer's Research and Care, or was it NAPA? I can't quite, you know, NAPA I sort of associate with wine, but apparently that's not what we're talking about today, so give me the skinny on this. Well, it is a bunch of researchers and policymakers, so chances are there are some people who do enjoy wine. That being said, this one is the Advisory Council on Alzheimer's Research, Care, and Services, and the NAPA, National Alzheimer's Project Act, is just that. It's an act. So one is the group, the council that advises policymakers and so forth on funding, directions, so forth, but it's under this NAPA act. And act as the last word of Napa. So, you know. So, there's so what was the whole purpose of this? Why are we fact finding? Are we still gathering information? Where are we going with this? Yeah, it was a little bit of information providing on their part, letting them know, let the world know, and they pulled in a bunch of experts to talk a little bit about where the current state was on things. Um, but there was also this side at the end, appropriately so, where they have a chance where they open it up to the public so to speak. Tifa, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about what the public is. And those of us who were in the know that got these emails that are on these listservs were able to come and provide commentary. Now, most of the other people that came in to provide the public comments were about funding opportunities. Um, they were almost exclusively, and don't quote me on this, I know all of them, but me and maybe one other, were all researchers. They were all professors of either geriatrics or public health or something of the like to talk about their research and where they felt clinical funding and research funding should be channeled. Okay, my mind is still sort of stuck at back at, at, at why are we still saying Alzheimer's when uh, we've given up on that term so long ago that it's not even funny, years ago. We get a lot of pushback because in PAC, Positive Approach to Care, we don't use the word Alzheimer's, we feel it's very exclusionary to, well, all those people who have more than one type of dementia or the other hundred plus potential dementias that are out there, or for like most of our folks, they don't actually even have a diagnosis. They don't know what type form cause of dementia that they have. So this idea, this historical placeholder that still is existing in policy and in research, and unfortunately it has some pretty nasty effects, is still present. So the first type of dementia that we really started to nail down in the literature was from Dr. Alzheimer's, where he had a particular case study a long time ago. What we haven't done is been able to talk intelligently to, well, the intelligent public and say, do I have to refer to all cancers as breast cancer? Uh, can I help people with a simple phrase or a word or two recognize that well, you can support breast cancer, but it doesn't mean you're not supporting other types of cancer. Uh, can I actually refer and do research specifically on a type of this disease? So this idea that we still stick with the word Alzheimer's, yeah, we have a problem with that. I will say in their defense, 
and in you know in, in the council's defense there was actually they brought in one person to begin to address that he actually talked very clearly about the effects of language on the field it was a little at the same time while it was heartening it was also disheartening that the fact that this was the first time we're really having this to this level and this was supposed to be the latest and greatest because it's not that big of a leap to actually say dementia including alzheimer's and other various forms of the disease we have so many words out there that if in fact when you look at the literature i can't tell when i'm looking at a particular journal article at this point i actually can't tell many times whether or not they're referring to this pool of people that they brought into these tests on or whatever the research question is, I actually can't tell whether or not it's what type of dementia it is. Are they actually doing people with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's? So it's beyond this issue that words have impact. It has gravely impacted by calling everything Alzheimer's. It has gravely impacted my ability to well, take a look at the research and read it intelligently. And those are my taxpayer money. So it's become to the point where it's a little bit of a problem. To me, it's elevated to a level that this is not okay. And I'm using tone to give my thoughts, but I'm also watching because we're sitting here and able to see each other. I'm also watching my colleague Tipa's face and she's not quite so patient as I am at this moment. So Tipa, I'm wondering if maybe some stronger words are something that may have come out in those meetings when you hear them talking about repeatedly using the word Alzheimer's. It's ridiculous because half the time that isn't. And as long as we misname something, we're gonna misstudy something. And it and what ha, what does it mean if I have frontal temporal dementia? How related to Alzheimer's is that? It's called Alzheimer's and related dementias. Well, what's the relationship between FTD and Alzheimer's? What's that between FTD? Okay, now we've got Lewy body disease. What if I have Huntington's? How is that related to Alzheimer's? And, and so this whole thing that we use this word that's an inaccurate word, it's actually a word that describes a specific sim a symptom profile. And it says that the person has beta amyloid plaque formations and they have tau pathologies. And we know that that might be caused by APOE alleles, or it might be caused by a synuclein protein problem. Oh no, it won't. That can't be caused by that. That's Lewy body. So there's no, the whole thing is just like frustrating to me because we're tied to an old man, a man's name. And it wasn't even the person who had the condition. It was a physician who figured out that they had the condition. They got to label it, Dr. Lewy, Dr. Alzheimer, Dr. Parkinson. We finally took out the apostrophe S. A lot of places still leave it in. It's not his disease. <laughs> who made it his? He just, he found it. He didn't even have it. Or maybe he did later on. Who knows? We never hear that story. So <clears throat> for me, one of the problems is, as Beth said, it's like referring to everything as breast cancer and related cancers. When, if I'm talking about prostate cancer, I think it's a little different than breast cancer or lung cancer or if I'm talking about leukemia, I mean, how's that related to breast cancer? And I think until we let go of inaccurate words and describe them better. Now here's the, I guess, positive thing, Greg and Beth, guess what the Alzheimer's Association in the United States has finally done in their understanding of Alzheimer's and dementia, still used as a plural, 
they're using an umbrella. <laughs> and the umbrella says dementia and they have four categories under the umbrella. This is the latest and greatest. They're finally getting on the bandwagon. Alzheimer's is under the umbrella. FTD is under the umbrella. Lewy body is under the umbrella and vascular dementia is under the umbrella. I mean, that leaves out a few, but I mean, at least they're getting into the mix. And for the very first time, they are talking about dementia as an umbrella. It's only taken us 20 years. Sorry, you're just hearing me be frustrated with uh, people who really are bonded to their brand, I guess. So Beth, how did you condense all of this down into a presentation? Because what yeah. we're operating on is a whole bunch of passion here. Well, That's why I'm not allowed to talk. <laughs> well, you know, funny enough, as much as she, you know, says she's not allowed to talk, the, the number one thing that I did is use some of my PAC skills. So this idea that this is a forum in which we are truly asking someone's opinion and she can get elevated and passionate about this. At that moment, it was reflecting. So it was reflecting what is being given. And at this place, Tipa had great awareness that, you know, her passion and her frustration and absolute, well, it's actually moved to this place of sometimes anger where people are not, it's not that they're not doing enough. They're actually going down truly different pathways. So this group has had goals to prevent and effectively treat Alzheimer's disease by 2025. This goal alone became a trigger for us at PAC and even Wait, more so what? <laughs> We're to what by 2025, maybe I missed something. I've just yeah. really missed the progress we've made here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Prevent and effectively treat Alzheimer's disease, apostrophe, by 2025. And that's, that's the NAPA goal. And the idea that we're going to go in and fight the group that we believe we need to be with, you know, that was the idea that maybe, maybe I might be able to reflect where they were at with their level of energy differently than let's say Tifa, perhaps, <laughs> maybe. Don't turn me loose. Because to me, it was like, I wouldn't be, I, I you know, like I've, I'm not there anymore. I'm glad Beth was willing to go there, but truly we did have a message we wanted to share, which is people living with dementia should be at the table, living with dementia, not living with Alzheimer's, not, you know, not a specific, but people should be at this and participating. And we should be looking at who has the condition and get support for them first. Then you can go off and spend huge wads of money on stuff that doesn't seem to be getting it. I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead, Beth. What were you going to no. say? It's absolutely accurate. So we did condense that down exactly the direction she's going. And we had a chance, she and I, to talk and we could, you know, complain to each other and bring ourselves back down. And so what we came up with, we have our, our concern, our problem statement here is that the goals of prevention and treatment alone by 2025 is, is we feel that it inaccurately perpetuates this narrative that's just wrong about dementia. And functionally that holds us back in funding and in policy, but the other one in between there is also in research. So like I said, I don't know if I'm picking up a particular uh, article and I don't know if the writer actually has people with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's in it and that they're actually speaking to Alzheimer's specifically, or are they using that word because of their lack of knowledge or are they using that word because that's what the funder wants? So when we have these inaccurate words, it leaves us down an inaccurate pathway to be able to support people. Not including the fact that whether or not people living with this disease are actually at the table or not, we felt that there was actually, the way to go was a five 
balanced goals, goals to address that. And we truly felt that they needed to expand this if they're going to have goals that are going to move the country forward. So our five goals were first, prevention. While we know this is a disease that doesn't have, if you have it, there is not a pathway out. Unfortunately, this is a terminal illness, but we do know that many of, not all, many of these diseases, there are mitigating factors. And so you're talking about how is it that we can help prevent before someone, how can we educate the public to recognize that there are things you can do with healthy lifestyles and all that horrible stuff that we don't like to do, getting good sleep hygiene, having these education opportunities that maybe I can prevent it or even delay it. These are possible. The second one was cure. This idea that there may actually be, and we feel it's strong and important to be looking at the different diseases individually and how we can prevent some of these diseases. We have watched this with correct language and correct narrative and therefore correct funding and policy happen in cancer. There are certain diseases that when you get them, you can prevent them completely, or when you get them in a certain place in the progression, you can truly see a pathway to cure. That is not the case with dementia, with all of the dementias, because we're not at that place where we're actually looking, we're trying to find, we've got one single hammer in many ways, and we are just using this hammer for all the problems we occur. And yes, I can beat with that hammer, I can beat a screw into the wall, but it may not be the best way to go in. So we've got to start expanding this idea that cure needs to be looking at all the different types of diseases, maybe quite separately and seeing maybe that opportunity where we can see those connections that we weren't even looking for before because we're looking at all of them under the umbrella at once. So just to be clear, this is not for lack of trying because there's been billions and billions of dollars spent on research and we have found some things, but a cure is still as distant as the goal of prevention by 2025. Yes, this idea that we need to even be looking at this goal of cure differently there are models out there. So if we look at this disease as a singular pathway, as, as, a, as one issue, it's about as slow as the way that we started trying to find a cure for AIDS. And the community rose up and said, no, you are not going to one vitamin study me to death, one supplement study me to death, one neurotransmitter study me to death. You're gonna give me the dang cocktail because if you don't, I'm going to die. And that is how the community pushed forward this idea that you cannot be looking at this as a simple syndrome where clearly it's just the plaques and tangles. That's it. Well, that we already know in science is not the case. If we're looking simply at plaques and tangles, we have elderly individuals, centenarians, who are living strong, healthy, cognitively intact lives. And after they pass away of something else, we're finding their brains are filled with plaques and tangles. So guys, this is necessary, but not sufficient. So if we continue down this pathway of funding in such a way that we're only looking at cure and well, preventative effectively treat, there's the whole other side of this that we are nowhere near. And if we are not finding your other three goals, restoration and rehabilitation, this idea that I can actually take a brain that is failing, one organ that is failing, but augment and support individuals to restore some functioning by using other functional pathways in the brain that still exist, but also rehabilitation, there's pathways where we can start to fund properly, reduce cost and improve quality of life of family and people living with dementia and also our providers who care so much 
as do the researchers. Our fourth goal is looking at compensation and augmentation of skill loss. Now, this is a different approach from rehab and restoration. This is an occupational approach. And I'm going to pause for a minute because Tifa here actually is quite the expert in this area, not like she isn't the others. But this is the place where she can speak most specifically and how it differentiates from our other goal of restoration and rehabilitation. Because occupational therapy is a very interesting role when it comes to cognitive deficiencies. Well, I was going to say it, it sounded like a subtle difference to me, but you're telling me it's not. And Tifa is going to clarify that it's really not. It's really not because what we do with compensation is I change the environment, I change the support, I change the cues, I change my expectations so that whatever the person can do, they're supported to do. And when I make those shifts and changes in support and care, they look great, but I had to compensate for the changes that they're going through. So I have to learn the art of saying, oh, so you want to go home when they're standing in their living room because if their brain is confused enough not to recognize the location they're in, then me pointing out this is your home is not resulting in a good outcome. And yet my ability to say, oh, so you wanna go home. Do you need to do something there? You just wanna be there. Exploring the, what is it they need or want that they don't feel like they can get here. So it's called compensatory. I'm learning to compensate. I'm learning to modify my approach, my support, the environment, my expectations, so we can both feel successful because we've changed what's going on here because I can't fix the dementia. And then our last one, that was pretty different. That's where we're talking about, we need to talk about comfort and known as palliative care. We need to offer comfort because this condition makes people uncomfortable. And I'm not just talking about the person who's living with it. It makes family members uncomfortable. It makes staff uncomfortable. It makes society uncomfortable. It has a stigma attached to it because you aren't how you used to be. And it's like, well, I challenge anyone in this group to go back 10 years ago. Yeah, I'm exactly like I was 10 years ago. Of course I'm not. I've changed, I I'm different. Uh, and people living with dementia are going to change and be different. Our challenge is letting go of what we can't have and they can't have and getting more comfortable with what is possible. Got to let go of what you can't have to recognize what the possibilities are and then figure out how you're going to support someone in living until it's time to die. And that's a big missing piece. That's different than hospice care that dying care. It's really how are we gonna live life until we die? And there should always be some comfort involved. It's an essential need of human beings. We all wanna be a little comfortable and be pain-free. I mean, that's just the way we work. And then we wanna figure out what's our relationship with everybody else. So that was our message to Napa. I don't know whether they were listening or not, but Beth did a great job delivering. And we delivered it for a reason. We think more people who are out there doing things that we think make a difference need to speak up to those who are making policy happen because otherwise they're making policies, more of them that don't work very well for the people who they're intended to serve. So here's an unusual ask. On, on most of our podcasts, we try and leave people with some tips and some ideas. So how do we apply tips and ideas to this? Do you write letters to congressmen? Do you, what, what do you do? What can the average schmuck do to try and move this boulder forward? Yeah, a couple of possibilities. One is when you do interact with the support system that identifies itself in a certain way, ask the question, now, why don't you call yourself Dementia Association if you are supporting people with different 
sorts of neurocognitive degeneration. Or tell me more about what it is uh, you're supporting and doing to promote this or that. So we could approach some of the organizations that we're associated with or connected to. We might talk to healthcare providers about some of these questions that we've raised about what kind of support are we talking about? And we probably do need to get up with our leaders to say, excuse me, I'm concerned that we still have this as a goal and a policy because it seems off target. When can we call it what it is, which is dementia, not Alzheimer's? I mean, that would be what I have done. All right, Beth and Tipa, thank you very much. A little long on our podcast today, but it was a great subject and it was worth extending for. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series sponsored by Positive Approach to Care as a free broadcast available to anyone who may be living with dementia, supporting somebody with dementia, or anyone else interested in learning about the world of dementia. See, I'm not saying the other word. For more information on other free resources provided by Positive Approach to Care, please visit our resource page, www.tipasnow.com.